Ladies and gentlemen, this is El Cochino, Tom Lawler, and I'd like to welcome you to the podcast that puts the lotion on its own skin, Lucha World. Bitchin'. Welcome everyone to Lucha World Podcast episode number 88. This is Fredo Esparza going solo this week. Uh, we This is the first Lucha World Podcast in a while since there was about two, three weeks where really there was nothing going on in Lucha Libre after the um, the earthquake that hit Mexico. So CMLL and a lot of the promotions that run in Mexico City and other parts of that region that were affected didn't really run a lot of shows. And it kind of seems like everybody started running like scheduling all their shows late October um the crash is running like non-stop throughout November and I think they've already scheduled two three shows for December already they've already announced those uh, but yeah there wasn't a lot going on for about two three weeks two two to three weeks and then suddenly I would say maybe two weeks ago with um Leyenda de Plata the final and all that that went down and Dia de los Muertos the Dia de los Muertos CML shows there's been a lot more going on. Um, in between that, we did have Lucha Underground run um, air their Ultima Lucha Tres episodes, four episodes total, which I thought was a great finish for Lucha Underground for their season three. I think we're all wondering if there's going to be a season four. If you ask people in it that work for Lucha Underground, they all seem to think that there will be a season four. They just don't have a, a confirmed start date. That's what I've been told by a, lot, a, a couple of people that that work for them but you know you don't really know because nobody really knows beyond what they're told uh, but I thought it was a good finish overall for their shows AAA had Heroes of Immortales in early October and really I watched part two of that show and I thought it was a really bad show and then I was thinking of watching part one but then um, a lot of people who watched part one told me that it wasn't really as good as part two so it really wasn't worth watching so i decided not to watch that because there's so much more wrestling to watch that i i think you could i think i think i think it's best just to sacrifice on the bad and watch the good stuff that you're going to enjoy 
because otherwise you're just going to burn out on this stuff or you're going to end up hating yourself for watching stuff that you really didn't want to watch. Um, yeah, there's a lot of news from CMLL, a lot of news from the crash within the past weekend um, that we'll get to. Um, there's a lot of stuff that also happened. A lot of, uh, I guess it is wrestling news, but it's kind of just, um, it's kind of in that gossip gray area of pro wrestling that we'll talk about also. Um, this is going to be a fun show. Um, we're, we'll run down Lucha Underground, the Ultima Lucha Dress show for episodes that aired. I thought they were, I thought everything was anywhere between excellent to the worst stuff on it being okay, uh, which, you know, that's actually good. I mean, considering what we were at at the start of season three, where we were getting a lot of sexy star matches, and then the, then there was that huge, that long, that long, what was it, four or five month break in between the third season. And then we they kind of started off really, I think they started well for season three and then the second part. And then they just kind of like, it, it got to the point where there were a lot of shows that were really not that great. And then they really picked it up for Ultima Lucha Tres. I thought, I thought those shows were great. Oddly enough, the best match I thought happened the first episode of Ultima Lucha Tres. But I will say the fourth episode was really a strong finish to the, the season. Um, and um, rather than go through each episode one by one, I kind of thought I would just go start from the the matches I thought were okay and then get all the way to the ones that I thought were excellent. So the first match I thought was basically okay was the the 13-person Battle Royal, royal um, with the unique opportunity on the line. Um, Dario Cueto had actually mentioned that there would... The winner of this match would get a unique opportunity. He would announce it afterwards. It turned out um, the Mac ended up winning. The match was really not that great. Um, it's a battle royal, um, battle royale, battle royal, whatever you want to call it, or in Spanish, batalla campal. Um, they're all horrible. I don't. I don't really get them. They. I wish we did. I wish we didn't have to see these all the time. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, every single show, lucha show, I try to watch usually. I get the bad news of a Batalla Campa happening on the show, which um, we'll talk about also about a new show that started on YouTube later on that actually had that also happen. Um, so I thought this match wasn't that, um, it was okay. The Dario Cueto's unique opportunity that the Mac won turned out to be that the Mac would get to um, challenge for the trio's titles held by the Lizard Tribe. And he got, he got to pick his two, um, his two partners we didn't know who that. I actually think we did know because by that point it was um, it was already part two of the. It was the second episode, so. Yeah, I think we 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 found out who his partners were at that point. Um, the second match, I thought that wasn't. I actually, I, I kind of wondered. I I was kind of trying to debate. I was debating whether or not this was worse than the battle royal, but um, Doctor Wagner Jr. and Famous B beating Tejano. Um, Tejano is now part of Famous B's. Um, group this, this match wasn't that that great I would say at best it was okay um, yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens um, now that Dr. Wagner Jr. lost his mask what will they do if he if for a season 4 will he be part of season 4 will he be a masked Dr. Wagner Jr. or will he be an unmasked Ray Wagner on the show that's something we have to look forward to if there was a season four. Um, the third match, and I actually thought this was, it's funny because 
Ivelisse beating Katrina. A lot of people thought this, and this match actually, Ivelisse brought up how it was heavily edited. Uh, but I actually thought it was, for a six-minute match, I thought it was perfectly fine. I actually think it helped that it wasn't so much longer. And a couple of people suggested that they would have wished to have seen a longer match between the two women. Um, Katrina isn't somebody that wrestles that often. So I think keeping it short probably made a little more sense to do so. And they also did a lot of gimmick with um, with blood and stuff like that. So I thought this was okay. Um, actually, I thought it was actually pretty good myself personally, but... But like I said, there's some people who thought that it should have been given a little more time. But I'm guessing there's a reason why it was edited. Um, <laughs> I don't think I don't think it was going to get the editing if it was if it was that great. Um, the fourth match, Sexy Star beating Taya in the last Luchadora standing match. I thought this was good. Uh, Taya's really improved, and you know it's funny because this is like 18 months ago, so. If you've seen her, if you've seen her like in AAA before she was, um, she left AAA and then Impact, I think the match with Ayako Hamada is probably her best match that she's had in her career. Um, in Impact, uh, I don't know. I, it's more of a story type of deal. So she's gotten like, I think the one match I saw her in Impact, she it was more of a squash match to get her over. Um, so she really hasn't. I haven't really seen as much of her there, and I think she's not even. I think she's. I think she's done more on the indie scene more than anything else, and I haven't seen a lot of her indie work. But I've heard I've heard some good things about her on, on indie shows, and you know she got to work with Sexy Star. It had a lot of gimmick. It had a lot of gimmicks in it, um, so I think that's what helps this because of sex. The limitations that you get with Sexy Star, and really, I mean, it's unfortunate Sexy Star won, but you know that's it's going to be interesting what happens because now that she's in the outs with AAA, will she be back for season four? Um, who knows. Hope not, because I don't mind if she actually go is on Lucha Underground, but the way that they use her, where it's like constantly, she was constantly on that first half of season three, it's like, yeah, I don't really want to do that. I don't want to go through that again. Um, that was that match was in, on the third episode of um, Ultima Lucha Tres. The next match was um, uh, also on the third episode of Ultima Lucha Tres, covering Ultima Lucha 3 was Pentagon Dark beating Son of Havoc in a ladder match for the Gift of the Gods. This was good. Uh, I think I'm not really a big fan of ladder matches just because there's so much time spent on on setting up the ladders and you know when there's anything like with ladders or tables or anything like that if they spend so much time doing it it kind of takes away from the the match itself and I I thought that kind of caught, affected this. It was good. I didn't. I didn't really think it was that. Um, it wasn't great. Pentagon Dark had more to offer later on, as we'll see, as we saw in the fourth episode of the of Ultima Lucha Tres. Up next is the trios match: the Mac Killshot and Dante Fox beating Drago, Vibra, and Pindar for the Lucha Underground trios titles. This was also on part three. It was the second match on that episode. I thought this was good. The only thing that I kind of was not too thrilled about was the fact that Killshot and Dante Fox were in this match. Since the previous episode, they had actually been in this really, this really great. Actually, in the first episode, the first episode to Molucha they were in this really great, like Hell on Earth, Hell, what was it Hell on Earth or whatever it was called, Hell of War, uh, really violent match, and I kind of thought they probably should have sold it, milked it, the 
that a little more they did sell on in this match like the injuries and stuff like that but I think they could have gotten more out of it but you know it was fine I'm okay with them winning it was a good match too so um I think the only time it was and you know you didn't get Vibor in the match as much so it actually helped that he wasn't in there that much um but yeah, that was actually I thought that was I thought that was better than the Pentagon Dark Son of Havoc match that was the main event for that episode. Um, up next, I I thought Matanza defeating Dragon Azteca um, in a cage. That was in episode four. That was the first match. I thought that was a really fun cage match. I thought that was cool when um, Matanza threw out um, Dragon Azteca through the cage. And then Dario Cueto decided to change the rules because technically Dragon Azteca won the match because he, he was the first one out of the cage. But then uh, uh, Dario Cueto, being the Lucha Underground owner, switched the rules. Um, and then they continued. Matanza won. And then you had uh, Black Lotus get involved. And I actually thought that was kind of... that. It started off kind of lame, but then it got better towards the end as uh, Matanza finally, like, he kind of got to destroy her. Um, <laughs> you know... It looks bad, but at the same time, that's kind of what he's supposed to be. He's a monster, so it's kind of weird to see him get, you know, powerbombed by a girl um, who rarely wrestled and we ra- rarely saw in um, Lucha Underground. Um, so it was good to, for him to, like, actually get that to conti- continue his character as the monster of the promotion. Um, then I thought the next... I think it's difficult to split up these matches, guys. I thought they were both... The final segment was great. The final hour of this show was great. Um, Prince Puma beating Johnny Mundo to win the Lucha Underground Championship. Uh, this was a championship versus career match. And I thought this was really great. Um, I think it's hard to separate the Puma-Mundo match from the following match that happens afterwards. Because it could, it's pretty much part of the storyline. So then I thought this was really cool. Um, lots of great great stuff in this match um the only thing i thought was a little i actually thought the interference by um by the worldwide underground was really good also um i thought and then angelico made his return which was you know surprising because i don't think i don't think he's i think the last time he was on was some time during the i can't even remember that what point he was still on the show i mean between him and um Ivalice, it's hard to keep up who's still around and who isn't around because of injuries. But yeah, he showed up. Jack Evans screamed <laughs> during the match, so we knew at that point his... Um... Actually, the other thing that was really cool was be- leading up to that match was the the Taya's documentary on Johnny Mundo. I thought that was a great build-up to the whole thing. Um, really a great final hour of Lucha Underground. The final episode of Lucha Underground was really great. Um, then came Pentagon Dark defeating Prince Puma to win the Lucha Underground Championship and also... And Prince Puma's career. I thought that was a, another really good match. And it fine and you know, also Vampiro's interference. I wasn't a big fan of that, but um, it actually kept it let it continued the storyline between him and his involvement with Prince Puma and Pentagon Dark. Um, Prince Puma should have listened to Conan and never trusted Vampiro in the first place, and that's what happens. Um, you know, and then they had the whole scene where Prince Puma leaves his mask and walks out into the into the night, leaving Boyle Heights. Who knows what's going to happen with him? Obviously, everybody's already talking about you know all those rumors where he's going next. Um, but yeah, he's gonna. I think they're they're ba- they basically did mention that there's there's possibility at some point that there might be another Prince Puma at some in the future. But 
you know, that was a good way to end that character on Ricochet's run as Prince Puma. Um, I, I thought that was cool. That I don't think they, I don't even think they showed his face as um, Ricochet. So that was also very cool of them to do that. So that they could find somebody else that maybe looks like him physically. Although I doubt that'll happen. Um, what else happened in this? Um, those were actually the. I thought that was actually the, the first the, the of the four episodes of Ultima Lucha Tres. I thought the the fourth the, the finale was really the best one, the best complete show from top to bottom. I thought that was really the best show. Um, it also had that great ending, that we'll talk about after I mentioned the the top two matches I liked of Ultima Lucha Tres. Second best match on the on the on the entire um, run of these episodes, Phoenix beating Marty Mar- the Moth. In a mask versus hair match, I thought that was great. Um, I think I thought the finish was awesome. Where they, I, I wasn't that big a fan of Melissa getting involved, but at the same time, it's part of the story, so I thought that was fine. And I also dug how they actually got around to getting Marty's head shaved with uh, Marty Posta getting involved and then uh, cuff, handcuffing him to the to the on the steps to get his head shaved. I thought that was cool. Um, really a really great match marty's really been i think marty and um really the and the two guys that fought that i'm going to talk about who had the best match out of every every match that i saw on ultima lucha Tres, this was the best one but marty and these and, and these two guys kill shot and dante fox really like stood out for me as far as like if you look at the first three seasons of lucha underground they were the guys who really like just continued to improve i mean i i knew pentagon dark from his time as um actually the other match I did mention was um the other match I forgot that I didn't even mention on here was uh was the cage Mil Muertes and um uh what's his face his name Sammy Callahan on Jeremiah Crane's match yeah that's probably somewhere up there with the with the Matanza Dragon Azteca match um I thought that was a cool match also but you know it was it was it was I would say it's probably like the fifth sixth best match on the uh, out of all the ultima lucha matches totally forgot about that match i even forgot about when i when i was doing lucha talk um they just had so many great matches that you know I, i'll probably i think when this goes up on netflix i'll probably have to rewatch this entire series just because it was really it was not the series but the entire uh four ultima lucha tres shows just because they were really they were really good um the, the match i thought that was the best one was kill shot defeating dante fox in the hell of war that and a two out of three falls match. Um, each match had a different get, um, stipulation. And I thought this was really violent. Really just a great match. Um, kind of felt like it was a, a Big Japan match. Only like it it wasn't like Big Japan. It had a kind of like a, a, a cross between Big Japan Pro Wrestling and um, Lucha Extrema in, um, in Mexico. The old day. Not the, not the DTU stuff, but more of the the Tijuana stuff where they would do a lot of like, you know, dives and stuff like that, use chairs and stuff. But it was, you know, they all obviously added glass and all this other stuff. I thought that was a great match. Had a great finish with, um, with, um, kill shot, uh, Dante Fox falling into kill shot, shoving Dante Fox into that glass and ending the, and then, you know, pretty much ending him there. Um, really good overall. Uh, some of their stuff from Ultima Lucha that I really liked, uh, Daga made his way back. And he has a giant sword. It could have been Arginis's um, Ray, the Reyes sword, for all we know. But he chopped off Pindar's head, so now Pindar is gone. And I'm guessing that might be the end of um, 
it might be the end of the lizard tribe or Daga is now part of the lizard tribe replacing Pindar. And then um, the end, the the cliffhanger. Actually, I don't know if it was a cliffhanger, but um, Dario Cueto getting murdered. He got shot by Godfrey. I don't know. I don't know if he he was given a name, but that's who. That's how. That's what we found out. What his um, the actor's name is or, or comedian's name is, and he shot Dario Cueto, and and now we we don't know if Dario Cueto will be back for season four, uh, if there is a season four. He called his dad while this was going on, so you know maybe his dad will take over. No idea, but I, I thought that was a great finish. Overall, I thought it was a fun final four episodes of Lucha Underground. Really enjoyed it. Um, I do want them to come back. I think I think there's a lot of people who like kind of gave up on the on the series. But honestly, I can't sit through Raw. I can't sit through Impact. This is really the one show I could sit through that's in among the American wrestling shows. And it gives it's given so many of these guys um, a little more exposure to the to fans in the U.S. who aren't really full blown lucha fans, you know. So you know, I I talked to Aerostar about it. And he kind of mentioned that also that you know there's there's so many of these fans that 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 know that I know them more from Lucha Underground than they do from AAA, uh, because they won't give lucha a chance. You know, they kind of say they like lucha, but at the same time they don't really like lucha because they they for some reason it's like this weird barrier for them. When nowadays lucha is very much the same, it's not lucha from like the nineteen eighties when I first started watching lucha. Lucha nowadays is very much the same as what you'll find in in Japan, the United States. You know, it's all the same nowadays. It's like there, there's, it, there's really not this huge difference between the styles nowadays compared to like in the eighties when if you watch lucha when you first got exposed to lucha in the eighties, it was really different compared to what you were getting in the United States at that time. I mean, you're going from a from a, a American wrestling where it was a lot of brawling, a lot of like um a lot a complete a completely different style of um even mat wrestling, technical wrestling, high flying, and then you would go to the watching lucha where it was like in a trios match and guys would take a bump and immediately stand up. You don't get that as much now. It's it's a little more of a actually you get that more now because a lot of the independent American independents do that, and a lot of the the lucha has has gone into the uh, Japanese wrestling. Like you'll see, Dragon Gate does that stuff also. Dragon Gate actually does more of that stuff where they don't like when the last few times I saw Dragon Gate, they were doing a little more of a that faster pace, and they they kind of took away a lot of the the technical aspects of it. They're more of a of a high spot fast pace style than than what than what it is nowadays. It, than what it was back then, actually. Um, so, you know, it's... I kind of think... I kind of think the fact that Lucha Underground does this and it's it's such... I don't know. It's easier for people to enjoy Lucha. I, I, I kind of find it like... American fans find it easier to accept Lucha Libre if it's done in a way where it's kind of like... It fits. It suits what they're watching on on American wrestling. For I don't know. It's it's difficult to explain. It's it's just the it just seems to be that way. Cause I mean, you could sh- you, I go to lucha shows and here locally, and you will not see a lot of these fans that go to lucha underground going to watch, you know, like a full blown lucha show. Like they won't go see like a lucha show where it's unless it's like got like 
the the uh, Lucha Underground guys, then you'll see them there. But if you bring in like uh, like the CMLL guys, they won't show up because they're not familiar with that style, and especially because usually when they bring in the CMLL guys, they're working a one of the Lucha promotions, not necessarily the the American um, indie promotions. Now the 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 Lucha Underground guys will work the Lucha, the American Indies, and fans there will show up. So it's kind of like it's. I think you, but you are seeing a little more of a. I think the crash is probably going to be the of all the lucha promotions in Mexico. I think the crash could have the most effect, and unfortunately, they're not they're not televised. But if they get television or if they actually post their stuff online, I think that's actually something that's going to help um, more um, more of the current fans get into lucha libre because it's it's not it's it's not as different. It's not as difficult to get into as as it was back in the eighties or nineties. You know, or early two thousands because there is a lot. It's a lot similar now than it, it. There's a lot more similarities in styles than there was in the past. Um, there was, like I said, there was a lot of CMLL news. I think it started really in mid October. October when we finally started getting a lot of news. Um, um, Leyenda de Plata happened. Uh, if you haven't watched it, you should watch the Torneo Cibernético. It's really good. Um, the final, especially the final four, which was Caristico, Volador Junior and Sanson and I think I think it was Mystico I think those were the final four if I'm not mistaken but um, yeah that was really good uh, they did a lot of crazy dives um, but the final four was great um, and then we got the Caristico Volador Jr. rivalry once again some fans kind of wanted to see something different come out of it but CML has, doesn't go that often with the uh, it's been a while since they did Caristico Volador Jr. I think people forget that the last time they did that was um, Elite and that wasn't necessarily CMLL, so, uh, and these two guys always like bring it. And the the other thing I really liked was that these guys, when they were doing interviews, Volador Junior, you could just tell Volador Junior is dying to like, just, like, t- trash talk, Caristico, and he did. He did trash talk, Caristico on Informa and on a lot of interviews, where he kind of brought up all the stuff from the past, and then um, they had him and. They had both of them on in forma the leading up to the Leyenda de Plata final where uh, Caristico had mentioned he was going to dedicate the match to El Santo and Hijo El Santo. <laughs> the funny thing is Hijo El Santo on his Twitter account that has, has me blocked on there, but I was able to see it anyways. Uh, I think blocking people are, is pretty silly. I do block people that block me, so I guess I, I that's just me being, a, being, me being like a... You know, me, me just taking, t- just taking a feeling, ha- feeling some sort of uh, joy in, in repaying the favor for them blocking me. Um, but uh, he, um, Hijo Santo was very upset that CML continued to do Leyenda de Plata. He's like, they don't have my permission or my, uh, so I don't know why they keep doing this. And meanwhile, you have Cristico talking about how he was, you can dedicate this to, to El Santo and Hijo Santo. Um, and Volador Jr. told me he could dedicate the match to whoever he wanted, but at the end of the match, he was he wanted him to kneel down to him because and, and admit that he's better than him. And sure enough, that match happens. Volador Jr. wins Leyenda de Plata over Caristico. And what happens? Caristico not only hands the trophy to Volador Jr., but he also kneels before him, which I thought was cool and <laughs> really funny. You know, it's funny because... Uh, I think I can't I think Mima Shimoda was the one that posted on Instagram she posted a picture of uh, uh, 
Caristico taking a picture with Volador Jr.'s son after that match. So, you know, there's, uh, there's, there is some, um, there is some, you know, dislike between them. But at the same time, it's, I think there's more of a, it's more, there is some admiration between the two as, uh, as there's some respect in there. It's not all like hate between them. Uh, but I thought that was a really good match. The other match on that show, and uh, it was the October 20th um, CML show, was this really great trios match between um, the Nueva Gener- Generación Dinamita of Cuatrero, Forastero, and Sanson versus Angel de Oro, Niebla Roja, and Sobrano Jr. I have a weird feeling, and you know, it's weird because with CML, it could be a feeling that you have, and it never happens anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But um, they had Angel de Oro, Niebla Roja work another trios match, and late, I think it was this past week, this past week, and they, um, they were going up against Shocker, Nero Casas, and I think it was Barbara Carbonario. And they were kind of implying something about Shocker and, and Nero Casas being the CML tag champs. And maybe, like, there's a possibility for a tag title match between those two teams. I hope so, because they really need to get that tag team title to somebody that will actually defend it and can actually, they could actually build up. And I think Angel de Oro, Niebla Roja, especially Niebla Roja, has looked really good. And in this trios match, Niebla Roja, um, I don't know if, how many people saw this, but you could see Niebla Rojas kind of like changing his style a bit. He's kind of doing a little more of a, a technical style where he's doing um he was doing a lot of um head scissors and ranas in the match. So I have a feeling he's he's trying to be a little more um athletic, be fit more of the more of the the technical side. Whereas when he was when he was still feuding with um Granger, he was still working more like like a uh, Guerrero Lagunero. He also did um. He also did a variation of La Campana, so which I thought was amusing. Uh, but that was a really great match. That's a really good trio, by the way, the technical trio of Angel de Oro, Niebla Rohan, Soberano Jr. I hope they go back to this trio's match, maybe a title match down the road. Should be fun. Um, the other thing, um, CMLL decided to bring back the Mexican National Heavyweight title. And from the sound of it, there's a possibility they might bring back some of those other national titles that are currently held by... Um, I think a few of them are held by um, by some of the ex AAA guys, guys that left. I think Octagon might actually hold two of the titles, the tag title and one of the other weight classes. So there is a slight chance that they might be able to get those. Unfortunately, it might mean bringing Octagon to work a few shows, although he's no longer, um, as somebody on, I think Maslucha mentioned, he's no longer, even though he holds that he was the last person to hold one of those titles, I think he's already out of that weight class. Um, because he's gained a lot of weight over the years. He's a lot older. He's he's not the... I think it was the... might have been the middleweight title. And I think he's definitely not a middleweight. Uh, but it sounds like they might bring those back. Anyway, um, the national heavyweight title was won by El Terrible. Terrible. Who beat Diamante Azul. And I thought um, that match was on a Sunday. But Terrible actually did a... Did a interview with him on Informa. And he really like got very emotional talking about how he was very honored to win the title that was last held by Hector Garza who was he said was a friend of his and he 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 kind of said he he kind of felt like Hector Garza was watching over him and then he also talked about his father and he got also got a little emotional I thought that was cool Terry Blaze one of those guys who like he's plays his character well and he's always sounds like he's like a tough guy but he's also very emotional he's 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 a, he's a guy who you could tell he really cares he also talked about how I think we all kind of noticed how he's kind of sometimes in and out of 
like CMLL for some reason. He kind of mentioned he was going through, he had just gone through some personal problems. He didn't mention what they were, but um, he said this was like the rise. It felt like it was like him rising from the ashes, his career rising from the ashes. And so, um, yeah, that's, I don't know if that's really great to see more another title in CMLL because they have so many titles and they don't really use them properly. And it's kind of a mess how many titles they have. I, I don't know. It's just, I don't really see the point. I think everybody's going to end up having a title. And especially if they, if they um, bring back all the national titles. Um, I was looking through um, uh, for the Lucha Classica for the Patreon page. I'm, re- I'm writing up a, a, a report, a recap of the Boxy Lucha from ni- 1967, the annual edition, which covers um, 1966. And one of the things I, I noticed was that they've had titles for, in, in EMLL, they had titles for, of course, you had the world titles, which were the NWA world titles. You had the, you had the national titles, you had the Distrito Federal titles, but then you also had titles for um, the tag team titles were actually Arena Mexico tag team titles, the Arena Coliseo tag team titles, and then they had a Martes Populares tag titles, which um, let's hope they don't go to that because then we're going to be, we're just going to be seeing a lot of um, titles that mean nothing nowadays. Um, back then, they kind of they kind of made some sense, although I'm, I think the, you knew more or less which ones were the more important titles back then, but, you know, nowadays it's ridiculous how many titles, and then, like, a lot of them don't get defended, like the, the CML World Tag Team titles, the CML World Trios titles haven't been defended that much either. Uh, we actually finally had Sky Team team up for the first time versus Guerreros Laguneros. That all I think that happened the the week after um, the Leyenda de Plata. That was actually really good. Um, Dia de Muertos. The that happened this past Friday. Sanson beat Sobrano Jr. to win the Rey del Inframundo Championship. Um, this was another good torneo cibernético. It, the it was four versus four. Soberano Jr., Mystico, Diamante Azul, and Valiente versus Sanson, Cuatrero, Forastero, and Hechicero. Really good. Um, it got even better as the match progressed, and it ended up just being Soberano versus Sanson, which was just another great match. I'm guessing they're probably going to have a, a, a match for that, um, the, the big, the, fir, the big, um, Matt, the big show that they do for the the first the first Friday of 2018 where they just have the rematches from the best of um, 2017 rematches I'm guessing they're gonna have to do Sansone versus Sobrano Jr. Um, th- but this was really great um, the show itself there was some good stuff I think the there was a, a Puma Tiger Virus uh, trios match I think that might have been the second match which was good but um, everything else wasn't that great um, the main event was because the Rey del Inframundo Torneo Cibernético was, um, it went really long. And they also had a lot of moments where they were, they basically decided that after each guy was eliminated, they were going to be sent, taken to hell. So uh, they bas- that's basically what they did. So it kind of took up a lot of the time. Um, Diamante Azul, I think, got hurt during this match. But um, yeah, Sanson Sobrano Jr. really looked good in this. Um, the main event for that was um, was this, <laughs> they teamed up Rush, Carista, Caristico and Volador Jr. versus um, I think it was all three girls Laguneros um, they they basically went really short with this match and they had Rush, Rush de- got DQ'd in the match for um, fouling one of the Laguneros but then Rush somehow convinced 
all the skeleton guys to take the girls Laguneros to hell, to the Inframundo. And as they were taking them, we saw Rush and Volador Jr. attack Caristico and unmask him, uh, which was the big shocker. The other big shocker was uh, Caristico had this um, blue hair. He dyed his hair blue, so uh, he's obviously taking some bad advice from Valiente as far as um, dyeing their hair different colors. Um, but yeah, that was actually a big surprise. And they basically teased um, Rush offering Volador Jr. a spot in, with the Ingobernables. Rush later on said that he didn't offer him a spot, but he just kind of let him know that there was a spot available for him if he wanted it to just think it over. Um, which led to the following day, which was really awesome because you have the 11-3, the Friday show, and then the Saturday, the crash show. We get the big surprise that we'll talk about in a bit. But right now, with the we'll get through the rest of the, the CML stuff. Um, CML, New Japan announced... Actually, New Japan announced the CML participants for Fast Test. Their Fantastic Mania tour in January. And it's really a cool crew of um, talent. Um, the Technicals will be Atlantis, Mystico, Volador Jr., Dragon Lee, Niebla Roja. I believe this is the first time for Niebla Roja. Angel de Oro, Sobrano Jr., Fuego, Drone, his first time. Star Jr. and Rush was listed as a Technical, but he was listed as a Technical in Gobernable, so he's kind of in the middle. And then um, the Rudos were Ultimo Guerrero, Negro Casas, Gran Guerrero, Barbara Carbonario, and Okamura, and going for the first time to Japan are Sanson, Quattro, Puma, and Disturbio. Um, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, then um, they have the, I think the ring announcer, Ivan, is also going. Uh, so, yeah, this should be a good group. This is a good group, actually. This is going to be a, a fun group. Going to be fun to see what they do with Sanson Quattro. It's eight shows. I, they announced, I think they announced eight shows for sure. It kind of sounded like they were going to do, they might be doing more because they kind of went, they were kind of implying that there was two, I know for sure it's two weeks, but they kind of made it seem like it was going to be two to three weeks. Although with CML, the way they talk about stuff, it's like they don't know until like these guys are over there. Um, but yeah, that's going to be a fun um, tour. I'm looking forward to this. I'm, I'm guessing they're probably going to do some. It's, it's interesting to see Star Jr. being listed for this. No idea why he got picked out of all these guys. Um, but yeah, and also the, the way they had uh, Puma being announced... But then Tiger should have also been sent instead of Disturbio, maybe. But I think that was cool that they sent these guys. Um, uh, it's going it, to... Also, the way these, the, the number of guys that are being sent, really, like, really wonder what the crew is going to look like for CML's uh, Mexico shows. I mean, wonder if they're going to have to bring in some people to help out for those shows. or, But, you know, you always think this, but then they, they basically are just probably going to book Caristico versus um, whoever's left in the... Because they didn't, it's it's like, the, it, we're probably going to get, like, Forrestero teaming up with Tiger and, and Virus and all these weird, wacky lineups. Because uh, that's a lot of guys, a lot, a lot of the guys working main events that are going to go, go to for this tour. Um, also announced um, this past week, Naito and um, Hiromu Takahashi will be heading to Arena Mexico for their, um, for a Sunday show on November 12th. So that's something else to look forward to. Um. I don't know if we're going to get to see it. Uh, they actually did air this past Sunday's um, Dia de Muertos show, so maybe they might air it. If they don't air it on uh, via CML, they might air on New Japan World. Um, heading to Ring of Honor, 
our Rey Cometa and Esfinge on November 17th and November 18th for their survival of the fittest shows in Texas. Um, Rey Cometa is not surprising. Esfinge, actually, I don't think Esfinge is surprising because Ring of Honor has taken some guys that you wouldn't think would fit Ring of Honor. But um, yeah, I'm okay. I, I don't watch Ring of Honor, so I don't really know um, how they're going to fit. But Rey Cometa, it's good to see him get an opportunity to go there. I think he's going to do well. Um, Sanson and Cuatrero will be in Los Angeles on November 19th working for um, an indie promotion called FMLS, FMLS in Kudahai, California. Um, that's in Los Angeles. They're going to be wrestling Los Luchas. So that's actually going to be, that's going to be like for your debut. That's going to be like a fucking great match. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing, I'm hoping this go to that. If not, I, I think somebody will record it and post it on YouTube, hopefully. Um, more CML news. Atlantis did an interview and he kind of, he talked about returning to action sometime in late November or early December. He had, um, he had nerve, knee surgery, I think back in August, what was it? In August? I think it was in August. Um, early August so he's expected back and um, he also talked about his son Atlantis Jr. and he expects his debut to happen sometime in 2018 he said that um, he wasn't sure because um, him taking um, him having to deal with um, his knee surgery he hasn't been able to train with his son so I'm guessing he's probably he probably wants to see him um, he probably wants to get some ring time with him because I'm guessing obviously when he does de- when Atlantis Jr. does debut, I'm guessing they're probably gonna do a lot of a lot of shows where it's Atlantis, Atlantis Jr. and probably somebody else teaming up with them. You know, the guy that they should have team up with them is Guerrero Maya Jr. just to keep the just to do the Garros at Atlantida trio, like that'd be kinda of cool a cool way to elevate Guerrero Maya Jr. to like keep him with that group. Um, then there was like right after that story came out, um, Miguel Reducindo who works for CML posted a picture of um, some of the talent that's training in CML. And wouldn't you know it, there is an Hijo de Villano Tercero currently training at Arena Mexico. Hijo de Villano 3, not to be confused with Villano 3 Jr. who is in AAA. Um, really, this is just going to be confusing towards the end, you know, as, as, as usual, like with everything else that happens in Lucha when there's other guys that show up. At least, I, I, at least this is like kids that are within the Vianos that, and not something like the Rey Mysterio, like the Hijo de and Heredero and all those guys that aren't even related to Rey Mysterio Sr. Triple um, A news. Uh, I mentioned Heroes Immortales. Uh, yeah, don't, I don't know. I don't recommend, I, I saw that part two and I, I, I don't know, like I'm glad. I, I would say that had they aired it live, I would have watched it and I probably would have done a podcast even earlier talking about it because I think when they air their shows live it's it gives you reason to watch it when it's taped and it's posted on YouTube you kind of start slacking off and you're you already know like if you hear somebody tell you that it's bad you're pretty much not gonna watch it and or you're probably just gonna hold back you know keep it in the in the back burner until like you decide whether or not you're gonna watch and then you end up not watching it um but the big news out of AAA uh, Ricky Marvin <laughs> Ricky Marvin quit AAA this past Monday. Um, he made the announcement on his Facebook page. He thanked AAA. He thanked the Roldan family, but he he pretty much he did an interview with Mas Lucha and basically said that he kind of just never felt himself in AAA, and 
is looking forward to seeing what happens as an independent. And he mentioned how it was a good time to be an independent because um, there's so many options available. Um, he could work for the crash. He brought up the crash. Um, they asked him about possibly returning to CMLL. And he made the comment that he did actually go through an intermediary, um, a middleman, to see if there was any possibility of returning to CMLL. And the middleman basically told him that Paco Alonso told him that there was um, too many luchadors, not enough arenas. So that was his way of saying no. And my response is, and you know, the only thing is like Ricky's kind of developed, he's kind of, he was talking about Tony Rodriguez. He was talking about some of the younger wrestlers and he was kind of saying how he, he kind of doesn't, there's a certain, he was acting in a way where he, his response was kind of like one of those, you know, those vets that don't really respect the younger talent or don't want to elevate younger talent. And CML already has a bunch of those guys. You know, we have Rizal, Cancerbero, Arcangel, guys who kind of like ground, who don't really like want to elevate the younger talent. So I don't really see the point in adding that. But at the same time, there's so many guys in CML that you could just get rid of and add Ricky Marvin with how, how much better would that be? Like I would rather have Ricky Marvin than like maybe like four or five of the guys. Like if you could dump five guys and get Ricky Marvin, I would do it. Um, but then again, that would be depend on his, his attitude towards these, um, the, how he's going to be used. Although he probably want to work higher on the card. So I don't know how that would work. Um, the other news out of, um, Oh, the other thing, um, the other news in AAA was that Ed Macias had surgery on both his knees and he's expect, expected to be out until early 2018. Um, that might explain why he hasn't really looked that great in um, in AAA because if you think about it, um, he, looked, he looked good in Lucha Underground, but that was taped some 18 months ago, I think. So, yeah, like he hasn't looked that good in AAA the, the last year and a half, so... That could be something that he really was just like he was just trying to get through it and he finally realized he just had to have surgery so um we wish him a speedy recovery because he's a really nice guy i actually thought um he was one of those guys that i interviewed when lucha underground first started and he was really i thought he was really good he was a, a really down-to-earth guy and not not someone that was full of himself um appreciated the fact that um I thought he was good, you know, like I said, he, he's had a great run in, in Mexico, so, and he appreciated the, 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 what, I, what I was telling him, and so he seems like a nice guy. Uh, this past uh, Friday, AAA also had a show. It's been a busy, uh, be- in, um, this past Friday, there was AAA, CMLL, and The Crash all held shows, and so there was a lot of, and there was a lot of news from all, all three, although the, 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 the crash, the bigger news came the, the following day, the Saturday show in Tijuana, which was their sixth anniversary. But um, the AAA news, um, we finally got... Um, if you read the interview I did with Aerostar, you'll read about how Aerostar is talking about how Vampiro, uh, the way he's booking is very much like Lucha Underground, where everybody has an opportunity. And uh, we saw this in this show where... Um, Australian Suicide actually got to challenge Lancelot for the Cruiserweight title. He didn't win it, um, but he actually got something in this. He got an opportunity to do something. Uh, we had two number one contenders matches. The Ray Wagner won the number one contender for the AAA World Mega title match, and Ray Scorpion won the number one contender for AAA Latin American title match. Um, 
after that match, Hijo de Fantasma attacked Tejano Jr., so that feud is continuing. Um, I think that's actually a really cool feud, and I, I'm curious to see if that's going to be what they will headline, um, one of the headline matches for um, Triple Mania for next year, uh, because it's, they've done a really good job. Um, I think that's probably been their best feud for the... And it's not something that's going to bore you, like um, Psycho Clown versus Dr. Wagner Jr., where like it just kept dragging on and on for a couple of uh, months there. Um, also on that show, the OGTs, Averno, Chessman, and Superfly beat Poder del Norte for the AAA World Trios titles. Um, so Averno is now a champion, and I think that's great. I think Averno, like, Averno is somebody that really needs to be like a focused guy in AAA. Um, him and Rey Scorpion, two guys who were really great Rudos in, um, in CMLL, and I think they'll do really great in, as Rudos. They should be used a lot. They should be used a lot in AAA because AAA doesn't they they really need to like have some they're, they're the type of Rudos that you could do a lot with in, um, in their promotion and I think Averno's done a great job um, with this group uh, the other day um, my parents uh, came over and uh, I think my mom said uh, something she said ojo and my dad thought she said um, ojete <laughs> which cracked me up because I I remembered um I was just ta- I was just uh, remembering the the OGTs, because that I think that show was the was gonna happen. That I think it was the Friday that they came over, and I was like, I just thought that was funny. Um, the real big news: the crash came from the crash, and wow, you know the past this past week, one two six F wrestling pro wrestling. It's a it's a website Facebook uh, media side out of Tijuana they cover Lucha in Tijuana Baja California and they they were able to get in um, some excerpts from a press conference that um, Nacho de la O the promoter for the crash had done and he had talked about how he wanted to have a a, a closer uh, more of a relationship with CML and hope to bring in more talent for the promotion and you know one of the things I mentioned a couple months ago when um when Rush started working with um the crash was how um, Cholo de Tijuana hasn't really been running shows since I think it was May last year, this past May, since May or June. I think May, May, I think May was the last month that he ran shows. I think he's been, he hasn't run a show since then, so it's been about four to, I'm guessing four to five months since the last show that he's run, ran. And a lot of his shows the last couple of times were in Acapulco, so, um, he hasn't been running Tijuana that much, but um, yeah, uh, CML Talent hasn't been working a lot of the Tijuana shows. It's may, may mostly been in indie talent, and obviously the Crash and the AAA guys working EMW. Um, so I think this is a good way. Like maybe the Crash can take advantage of this and you know bring in some CML. You know, tell CML, look, you guys aren't getting, your guys aren't. You know, because a lot of the what a lot of hap- what what happens a lot is like. CML guys will work Tijuana and then they'll come to the U.S. and work on Los Angeles or San Diego because um, sometimes you hear about it, sometimes you don't hear about it, but they usually do show up here. But lately it's been a lot of guys coming from CMLL going to like L.A. or working the, the FML shows like, you know, if whether it be in Los Angeles or Sacramento or Fresno, San Diego, wherever it is, but it, they don't have the Tijuana spot, so... And that's kind of like something where they could get a little more money and stuff like that. So I think the crash could be a nice 
nice little like alternative there for them. Um, I don't know if they would bring in as many, but you know, one at a time or maybe two or three, it'd be worth it. Um, so they've been using Rush uh, this past week in the uh, it wasn't the main event, but it was a semi main. Um, Volador Jr. made a surprise appearance, and if you watch the video, there's a video on YouTube. You don't see the fans really react because Volador Jr. shows up with a mask on, as wearing his Volador Jr. mask, and you don't see the crowd react that much. They just see this guy wearing a Volador Jr. mask attack Rey Mysterio and uh, Pentalcero M. So you don't get this um, you don't get this strong reaction until he removes his mask, and they realize, oh, it is Volador Jr. And that's when they pop for it. And then, um, then of course, Los Cinco Bernales and Volador Jr. kind of do the, like the interaction. Um, Volador Jr. after the match mentioned he wasn't part of the Ingo Bernables, and but he did want to get, he did want to um, go at, he's, he's trying to get Rey Mysterio and Penta. Um, he made a comment on one, um, he was talking about how, um, I don't know when he said this, but for some reason he mentioned that a while back he offered his hand, he offered to shake hands with Ray Mysterio and Ray Mysterio refused to shake his hand. I have no idea when this happened. Um, it could be all storyline, but it kind of reminds me, um, I don't know how many of you guys follow basketball, but um, Shaquille O'Neal for years had this grudge against David Robinson and he would always mention, they would always ask him, why do you hate David Robinson? And he was like, when he was a kid in um, San Antonio, D- David Robinson, he was going to get um, David Robinson to get his autograph and David Robinson refused to give him his autograph. And ever since then, it w- he always had a grudge against him. Later on, we found out that Shaquille was kind of just making the shit up. So, or it was kind of just like not necessarily the full story. But because um, Shaq's made a lot of like, he always uses, he makes these stories just to like get the media in, in, in you know, involved. Obviously, this is also one of those things. I don't think Volador Jr. got this from Shaq or anything, but it kind of comes off like a, that type of storyline because um, Volador Jr., if you watch him wrestle you know, from his child, from his early years as a wrestler, you could tell he was a big Rey Mysterio fan. And I think he's even mentioned he was a, a Rey Mysterio Jr. fan. So I think there's, but I think there's probably some some sort of, uh, he probably like thought this was a good way to like, get this going. Uh, but just think about that. The possibility we are ending 2017 did we ever think at any point we would get to see Volador Jr. versus Rey Mysterio even possibly happening or Volador Jr. versus Pentalcero M. I mean when Rush showed up we were all shocked but now there is a chance we might get Volador Jr. versus these guys or Rey Phoenix or guys like that I mean this is amazing. I mean, this is what we're living in, and I think this is great. Um, Volador Jr. also in that interview interview mentioned uh, when he was talking about Penta Cero M. He said, um, he said uh, Vol- uh, Penta Cero M. knew where he was from, knew where Volador was from, and he knew where to find him, which is Amer- uh, Arena, Mexico. So who knows? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe at some point we might actually see these guys in um, in CML. Um, it all depends on um it's weird because you get this uh we're seeing a lot of new japan talent going to the crash or guys who work with new japan and then we're seeing a lot of the ring of honor guys back in good graces with um the crash now that cml kind of allowed that to happen so you know maybe this maybe this will happen maybe there is a chance that we might get this 
know, I personally kind of want to see a, a reunion of, uh, God, I can't remember who was that, of Bulldor Jr., Ricky Marvin, and um, I can't remember who the third guy was, but there was, they used to team up a lot in, uh, in uh, Gimnasio Nuevo Leon. So I kind of want to see that, like a trio of that happen again. That would be kind of cool. Um, but yeah, that's that was fun. Also on that show, this was the sixth anniversary of um, of the crash. Um, Jack Evans lost his hair to best get six six six. Jack is now bald. Um, I was wondering if he had his full beard on, and apparently he also shaved his beard before this. So he was, he basically uh, he he made he made reference to himself looking like uh, like a mini Triple H, uh, but Jack. Jack Evans will continue to break dance and he will continue to be a lucha god. So I have no worries about him coming back at some point. Um, other news in Lucha Libre that we haven't discussed. Um, Mil Mascarez is still upset at Alberto Nijo de Dos Caras for those comments he made. they made about him. Being too old and needing to retire. Um, I, di- I agree with that stuff, but you know... The, the thing about Alberto saying that he, he's done more in his career than Mil Mascaras and how he's traveled more countries. I agree with Mil Mascaras where Mil Mascaras said, yeah, he traveled a lot of countries, but he got to work with the same guys. You know, Alberto worked with guys within the promotion, whereas Mil Mascaras got to work with um, all Japan talent. He got to work with the... When he would go to Europe, he'd get to work with the guys from Europe or the United States. He got to work with different guys from different places. If he was in LA, he worked with different people in LA. If he worked in Texas, he worked against different people. If he went to New York, with different people. Georgia, you know, any other Florida, wherever he went, he worked with different people. So I, I do agree with him on that stuff. Uh, <laughs> mini Poseidon, he's a mini luchador in um, in Mexico. During a press conference for this, um, I think I can't remember what, what promotion it was, but uh, there was a press conference for the show. This promotion was going to run. And he mentioned how he was one of Mascareña Dos Mil's sons. And for those of you who are, are not familiar with Mascareña Dos Mil's um, gimmick name, uh, nickname, it is El Padre de Más de Veinte, which is translated to the father of more than 20. And apparently Mini Poseidon is one of those many kids that Mascareño Dos Mil has, only he does not rec... Uh, Mini Poseidon said that he does not recognize him as his son because he is a midget. Uh, he, Mini Poseidon mentioned that he has worked in uh, his uncle Cien uh farm ranch, milking cows. <laughs> so this is going to be something that's very interesting. Who knows? Maybe I could ask Sanson Cuatrero if the story is true. <laughs> I don't know that they would answer it. I don't know if this is something I should bring up. Because uh, this could be one of those um, bastard sons type of stories that, you know, if if you're um, if you're in lucha, you'll hear about a little too much. Speaking of uh, other stuff, that's um, gossip. Estrita, there was a there was an interview that Estrita did in two thousand fourteen that got posted on YouTube, and in this interview, she um, she talked about her career. Actually, she talked about her childhood, and um, her grandfather who was. Um, her grandfather was the boxy lucha commissioner who actually was involved in banning women's wrestling in Mexico City. So um, you could imagine that down the road, what that happened. Um, her mother actually ended up working within the commission later in her, in her, uh, later on in her life. And she actually, I think she might have been a promoter as well. But um, Estrellita, the, the high point of this was um, 
Estrellita talking about how she uh, joined that she joined this musical group with Gran Apache and all these other luchadors and I think at that point she was like 14, 15 years old and then she talked about um, her relationships within Lucha Libre which included um, she has two kids from um, a relationship with um, Jerito Estrada um, and then she talked about her relationship her her she had this relationship with heavy metal where she basically said it wasn't a relationship it was more of those um you know she'd call him if they were in the same um city they'd they'd hook up other than that it was it they were more more so friends with benefits than anything else then she talked about her relationship with cybernetico which um, we've heard a lot of stories from cybernetico telling about how their relationship i think they had a relationship for six years and she actually talked about how he was a he was one of those guys that you know um she just she just couldn't trust him then she talked about puma uh puma king and um her relationship and how 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 she was just very she admitted that it was weird that she was dating him because of um her past with um puma's uncle heavy metal and then she kind of um she kind of said that the the age difference also kind of she didn't she wasn't as comfortable with it but and she ended up breaking up they ended up breaking up that relationship and um it's funny she she mentioned how they had the she had she was uncomfortable with the age difference but as right afterwards she ended up dating blue panther jr so i don't know that was one of those that's just one of those things that straight does like the stories that i'm sure she has more stories that she could probably tell but just i'm surprised she was very open about saying this stuff and <laughs> the guy who was interviewing her was just like in shock like really you but it's like dude you know big deal you know that's it's wrestling that's that's part of the whole uh, that's all that's that's part of what you expect uh, there's a new promotion that started um, posting YouTube they started posting their show on YouTube on their YouTube channel it's called Lucha del Barrio they posted their first episode uh, it's 30 minutes long uh, two matches on the show it opens with Zumbi and Argos showing up at this warehouse where there's nobody in there just the wrestling ring and a couple of people I think there's just a couple of people like just standing around setting up the stuff and suddenly there's this little um, vertically challenged guy who confronts them and tells them he's um, he's the owner of the promotion uh, Lucha del Barrio and his name is Big Homie and then the, as, as they're and so, um, Zumbi and Argo's reaction is that they laugh at him <laughs> laugh at his name and laugh at the, at the fact that he's short and then suddenly this um, this um, voluptuous woman shows up named Cherry and she's his secretary and they talk about and she tells that it's true that he's um, he's the promoter and, and they ask him so where's the fans and where's, why is this place empty and he's like oh because you're wrestling only for me and so they're like okay and he's like I'm paying you guys to wrestle so Zumbi says you know what he's paying us let's do this so they end up um, they showed two uh, matches the first one had um, Taylor Wolf and um some other Chilean guy versus um, versus La Mosca and Pibe Alfajor the Argentinians I skipped through that match and then they had a, a battle royal that I took I mentioned earlier I skipped through that also um, but yeah if you're if you have if you want to watch more Lucha that's something you could watch um, hopefully you get um, it has Enrique Niesta and um, another guy um, I forgot his name Javier Javier something who are the announcers 
And uh, also involved in this, uh, Miguel Fonseca, who used to work for AAA. Um, he was part of the he was part of the programming department for um, for AAA. Now he's part of the part of this group. So that's another that's another uh, show that you could watch. I I thought it was okay. Um, it looks like they got some talent on there. I, I know they they held a press conference and Aramis was on it. So I'm hoping that at some point their Aramis makes the show and. I'll definitely watch that, but yeah, that's that's something if you're if you're looking for something to fill your time now that Lucha Underground is in on, that's something worth watching. Hopefully, the Crash will get TV at some point, or at least start posting their stuff on YouTube. Um, I'll try to do another show within. I think I think the plan is to do the, another show in a couple of weeks. Um, hopefully, like if we go to that that FMLS show, um, November is gonna be busy for me because I have to go to like my niece's play. I think next week and then. Um, I'm going to a wedding, my cousin's wedding, and then obviously Thanksgiving is happening. So yeah, you know, I don't know if maybe I shouldn't have mentioned in two weeks, but yeah, there should be something in, in the upcoming weeks. If not, you could listen to the Lucha Talk. Uh, we do that weekly. Um, when I'm not on, they, the the guys will fill it, will, will cover for me, and um, they do a great job on MLW. Um, even we had to get on MLW because they weren't um, they weren't promoting the the podcast and like I was telling the guys part of the reason we're doing this podcast I mean if we really wanted to we could just do it here on Lucha World but part of the reason we do it on MLW is because MLW is a large it has a larger audience gives us more people to reach out to talk about to hear get into Lucha um, talk about Lucha and uh, find out about Lucha so that's really the reason that why we're there and um, hopefully the, and I understand because MLW, as, as many of you know, they're starting. They're going to start running more. Um, they're going to start running shows again, and um, should be fun. Hopefully, Court does start like. I haven't really kept up with what he's uh, bringing in, but hopefully, he does bring in some lucha talent for their, his shows. Um, I know he's he does like lucha. Um, obvious, otherwise, he wouldn't have had us do a podcast on his uh, network. So. Yeah, you could always listen to a, to to the to that podcast, and now you could you know you could wait for this. Um, Kurt didn't do this episode because um, he hasn't really watched any lucha. Honestly, I mean, the only lucha he's watched was really the what he watched at the House of Pain uh, um, show, and that was the Aerostar Steve Pain match. And I think that might have been the only lucha match on that card because everything else was more um, American indie wrestling style wrestling. Um, the that show was fun. I did see um. Ron Harris, I, I don't know if it was Ron, it might have been Ron or Don Harris at that show. I think I was the only person who could point him out, besides maybe Steve Payne and um, Kurt found out because I mentioned it was um, Ron, Ron or Don Harris, but I, I knew it right away, obviously, because I've seen so many of their, I saw them when they were in um, WCW, WWE, ECW, Portland, Rustling. I've seen them for a while, so I knew who it was. I didn't go talk to him. I did talk to Aerostar. You could see the interview on on, on Lucha World. Um, fun interview. Talk. He talks about not just um his career, his um what's going on with Lucha Underground and AAA, but he also talks about training. Um, how long it takes for him to um to prepare for to introduce a new wrestling move, be it a a, a dive or just like running doing a rope move. You know, because sometimes it's he's not doing a dive, just something where he just. He's just doing something completely different. Usually, it is a dive, but um, really fun interview. Um, he didn't want he didn't talk about his uh, career prior to Aerostar. Um, it, it's small steps, guys. Small steps when it comes to guys kayfabing you. You know, 
you're not going to get the full story. And I already knew that from the AAA guys. They already do that as is. Um, I think it's kind of been, it's more open with the, with the certain guys than in Lucha. I'm really surprised because Nero Casas was really open about that stuff. Whereas some of the other guys, like, they're not as open about, like, you know, how wrestling has worked and stuff like that. So, so, um, but it's a fun interview. He did talk about a lot of stuff. Um, like I said, hopefully we'll get to talk to them. Also, in um, in December, there's going to be a show. Uh, that group that ran um, in Ontario, California, is coming back, and they're bringing in Dragon Lee and Mystico. Um, they, I, I'm not sure about those guys that they have been working with, but, you know, they do have a, 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 some guys on there, and um, I, I'm kind of interested in going just because I, I, I would like to try to interview Dragon Lee or Mystico just because, you know, that's that's something I, I really would like to do. Um, not sure what these guys what I think there's some there's a couple other people I think that are gonna be on that show. Oriental I know we interviewed him in the past. Maybe he'll remember me and like he'll he'll get me an interview or something. Um uh, but yeah, this is this is all that's been going on in Lucha. Uh I'm sure there's gonna be a lot more. Um like I said, the crash is running almost daily this week. They run they, I think they have like about 14, 15 shows in November. So there's going to be a lot of news coming from the crash. I think there's going to be a lot of news from CML. I know for a fact that there's going to be something because um, I don't think they've announced who um, Naito's tag partner will be in the in the New Japan Tag League that they're running. So, And I know it's somebody that... So everybody seems to think it's going to be from somebody from um, CMLL. And right now, I think Rush is working a lot of those crash shows. So... He might not be available for that tour so it's that's going to be interesting um triple a is running a couple of shows in november um lucha memes has this really good show on um november 20th it's headlined by volador jr versus jack evans they're bringing in charles lucero to that show charles lucero out of monterey who's really great um man i have to post that video that some of those matches i have from his stuff i've been posting a lot of stuff on youtube if you if you know the it's the r and r wrestling youtube channel uh, a lot of old lucha but i do have to get around to posting some of the stuff from like the the early 2000s but i'm going i'm gonna go i want to do it little by little because i don't want to like i don't want to burn everybody out and just have everything all at once on there you know plus i can't because my internet's slow anyways but um yeah there's a lot of stuff i wish lucha memes was available online like they would actually post her shit on online but i don't know danny has this weird thinking of um that's one of those things with Lucha promotions. They don't, they have, you have some promotions that are kind of understanding that you have to get your stuff out there to, for people to get interested in your product. And then there's some who think you don't want to put it out there because, you know, they're going to, you're not going to get people attending the shows. And, you know, really, I think there's got to be a middle ground between both. Um, you're missing out on making money. And at the same time, you're missing out on, on, on creating new fans. Um, look at, how many fans want to travel to Mexico to go to Lucha shows? Same with people who go to Japan. Um, right now you have the Cubs fan and Rob Bihari over there in, in Mexico. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of other people who would like to do that. But they just aren't sure what, you know, obviously because Rob and Cubs both follow Lucha very closely. They're more from and they've been doing it for so many years. They're going to be more familiar going like want what they want to go see. And you still have some fans who are kind of like, well, you know, I want to go to CMLL to Arena Mexico, but I don't know about these other shows. I'm not sure about this. And, you know, that's why you need to expose, you know, I'm not, you know, they're not going to be familiar with like the Indie Strongstables and, you know, the Aramis and 
who's in IWRG. They're not going to who Hijo del Diablo, Diablo Jr. is. There's only so much they could, like, get off of um, YouTube. Just And, you know, that's the good thing with IWRG, but I think IWRG, you know, they got to get their shit together. They've been kind of getting some weird shows. I mean, how many times can you do those tornado fill matches so often? But, yeah, um, I'll, I can't complain because Email is doing a lot of tornado cyberneticals, and those have been really good. Um, there's a lot of other stuff um, that's worth talking about. Um, if you're into more Lucha, you want to know about old Lucha, like I said, uh, check out our, our the Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lucha World. Tons of new stuff. Like I said, I'm doing that 19, the, the 1967 annual, Boxy Lucha annual, that's covering the year 1966. I, I thought I was going to be done with that within like a, a couple of weeks, like two weeks. It is taking me so much longer because that thing has so much cool information. Uh, I think we'll do a Lucha Classica special for that. But, I mean, it has, like, uh, Ray Mendoza's uh, Mexico City record, Jerry London's record. Um, it talks about um, a lot of the guys who were working that year, who who were the best. Uh, every little co- typical Lucha Libre, um, like I mentioned with how Lucha information comes about, they only send you like, it, it, they send it to you in small do- doses. That's exactly what you do. Like, I'll have like, I'll have like a page written out uh, that I translated from that magazine and I will not know what something means. And then like on the next page, it'll explain what it means. So then I have to redo the entire part, second part uh, page, the previous page again, because I found this information on this other page. So then it's like, I think what I'll end up doing is I'll do the entire thing and then I'm probably just going to do like this notes of just like what was on there as far as results and stuff like that. Send it to Cubs fan and let them put it in the database because, you know, there's so much information on that. It's it's a really cool magazine. I, I haven't checked the other stuff, but there's so much cool stuff on that. Um, so that's something you could look forward to if you're signing up for the Patreon page. Um, beyond that... Um, think that's about it for this for this week's episode um thanks again for listening and we'll talk to you guys again soon